The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Mark Sinkris with Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors, owner-president Brian Rickert and senior vice president Jerry Sirkovich. It's a pleasure to have you with us, guys. If you have a question or comment, you can reach us at the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620. All right, here we go. We have got a lot to talk about today, uh, Mark, and let's get started with all the big economic news of the week. Jerry, why don't you take us through the granddaddy? Right, all right. Well, we had a, uh, it was a wide range of, of news released last week, although relatively quiet as it as it relates to how it impacted mortgage rates. So we had some big news, namely the jobs report and the Federal Reserve meeting. Um, both, both were really a bit uh, underwhelming as it relates to how they impacted rates. So first, the economy, uh, or rather the jobs report and how that impacted the economy, added 164,000 jobs in April. That's below a consensus estimate that was forecasted of 190,000. So missed the market. Dis- disappointing. Number. Right, missed the market a bit. Uh, there were some upward revisions, though, as there normally are revisions of previous months. Those went upward, so it was on balance seen as a, a bit of a, a, a non-event, not a not it was a Goldilocks. All right, yeah, uh, Goldilocks, just, just right, yeah, yeah, just, just right. right, yeah. Um, so, so that that didn't move much. Now, you were watching, you saw something I was on watching, CNBC. Yeah, every every Friday. This is what this is what I do on Friday mornings. The first Friday of every month, I tune into CNBC right. at seven twenty-five because the the numbers are released at seven thirty, and so we watch a very well tanned Hampton Pearson on the steps of the Labor Department, then make the announcement, uh, which was, you know, the 164,000 and the 3.9% record low since 2000 unemployment rate. And uh, and then the interesting thing, though, that Steve Leisman, their chief economist, shared was that it takes about 80,000 new jobs a month to absorb people graduating from school or coming of age and entering the uh, the, the, the labor market. So it's really that's kind of the minimum number you need because if you had less than eighty thousand, the unemployment rate should go up. Right. Mm-hmm. So the other thing though that I read in the Wall Street Journal, this was actually on Thursday before before the numbers came out, was an article by a former Fed chairman, and we teased this coming up to the show talking about the Phillips curve, which is why uh, we're all interested in looking at the uh, at the jobs report every month. So the right. Phillips curve, we're going to reveal what that is. And, and and it is the relationship between the unemployment rate and inflation. And back in the 90s, it was pretty uh, a very strong correlation. For every 1%, let's say, decrease in the unemployment rate, inflation would go up a half percent. Hmm. So a 1% to half percent relationship between unemployment rate and inflation. And the reason, of course, we care about inflation is that it's the enemy of interest rates. So so it kind of makes logical sense, right? Uh, unemployment rate is really low, a scarcity of workers by the law of supply and demand, wages go up. Jerry, what were the numbers for wages in this last report? Wages, 
slightly short of expectations again, 2.6% higher than a year ago, uh, the same annual rate of increase as last month. Okay, so 2.6% so so yeah. wage inflation. I did look up uh, before the show started the uh, wage increase back in December of 2000, the last time the uh, unemployment rate was at 3.9%. 4.6% wage increase. Hmm. So we wow. are well below. Wages are staying relatively low despite the lack of workers. Well, what what should happen is that if if wages go up, wages and labor are part of every good and and service that we consume. And so that means prices should go up, inflation. Right. And what was our inflation reading this week from the personal consumptions expenditures index, the CPE? This uh, PCE, PCE. Uh, was at uh, 0.2%, which is right at expectation. And year over year? Was it 1.9, did I see? Yes. I think it was 1.9%. And the Fed wants inflation to be 2%. The reason why yeah. inflation is so important is that if you are investing in anything that bears an interest rate, whether it's a mortgage mm -hmm. or the 10-year treasury bond, what you really want to do is say, oh, I want to invest in the 10-year treasury bond. Let's see, that pays a yield of roughly 3% right now. If inflation is 2, I'm only getting a real rate of return of the difference, or 1%. So inflation is the enemy of interest rates. Ipso facto, as they say in Latin, that's why we're concerned about the jobs, because the jobs go into the inflation. The inflation is the enemy of interest rates. That's why we care. Because that's what the Federal Reserve has, is using as one of their primary benchmarks as it relates to how fast they're going to tighten interest That's rates. Right. That's and, right. Uh, and so it's, it's all connected. And Federal Reserve meeting uh, last week, that was the other big uh, piece of economic news that, was, that came out. The Federal Reserve made no change, as expected, to the federal funds rate. No real change in the forecast for, uh, the, uh, for June. Which is uh, June 13th is their next meeting. And what are the chances of a Fed rate hike on uh, June 13th? Yeah, what, is it up to? 100%. It is at what? Yeah. <laughs> the chances for a quarter percent rate hike are like 96%, and the other 4% is on a half point uh, right. rate increase. So it's 100%, folks. It's coming. And, of course, what that means is the prime rate, which is the rate that is used to determine the interest you pay on credit cards and home equity home lines equity. of credit, uh, is going up. And it'll it'll be at 5% come June 13th. And then how many more rate increases after that are expected? I think at least two. Yeah. Right? I mean, one or two. Well, Because we already had one. Right. This would be the second well, one. Well, there was three originally. Now most uh, now, are starting to call for as many as four. 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 Yeah, yeah. That'll, as the data allows. So... The the bottom line is that while short-term rates are going up, uh, long-term rates are relatively steady. We're going to do a rate roundup at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back from this uh, first break, we're going to tell you how mortgages are playing into the Russian collusion in the election story. That's actually true. We'll cover that when we come back. Interesting stuff. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show right here on WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. The uh, next Milwaukee uh, Bucks head coach might be considered as one of the more important and interesting hires in team history. What's your confidence level in the team making the right decision? Justin Garcia shares his thoughts and wants to hear yours Monday night on Sports Central at 6.07 p.m. right here on WTMJ. 
I know, Brian, you've been uh, keeping close watch of a very interesting Wall Street Journal story this yeah. weekend. Yeah, who knew that mortgages could play a role in this whole Russian uh, investigation thing? And it comes uh, in the line of um, attorney Michael Cohen, the president's personal attorney. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal article published at uh, 8.04 p.m. on May 4th by Michael Rothfield and three other <laughs> reporters, so four reporters right. digging into this thing, uh, Michael Cohen gained access to as much as $774,000 through two mortgage transactions uh, in 2016. And, of course, they think that uh, the feds know about this because they raided his office you right. know, and took all of his financial documentation. So it turns out that Mr. Cohen did a refi, actually put a home equity line of credit on his condo, and upped it from like a quarter million to a half million dollars. Okay, so he'd have access to more money. And then he and his wife co-signed on his in-laws condo in Trump Tower and took another $520,000 cash out on that refinance transaction. Wow. So this is now part of the investigation, and they are talking about, let's see, how do they call it here? Um, whether he committed bank fraud by making false statements, inflating the value of his assets to obtain the loans, or by misstating the intended purpose of the loans. So there you go. Mortgage lending, the Russian investigation. Who knew that we would potentially be dangerous point? waters to say the least? Well, you know, if for you know, you home equity line for remodeling your house or or being the fixer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing some fixing. I'm fixing things up. <laughs> right, but didn't then they they uh, didn't uh -huh. they they indicate some some uh, nefarious uh, that that he closed his initial line oh. of credit. After he opened the this, this the, goes to show you just how reporters, you know, they they can't be experts on everything. Yeah, they <laughs> they reported in the article that you open up this new line of credit on February twenty sixth, just the day after in two thousand sixteen, Trump uh, won the Nevada primary. So this is somebody who was quoted saying, "This is going to be a key date." And Jerry and I are looking <laughs> like, well, he did not get his home equity line set up in one day. Right. It right. takes yeah. a few weeks. So it's not like, oh, he won the election. I'm going to get a home equity line. He was thinking about that a little before. Right. Then. And then they also said about his New York, oh, about the same transaction where he got the home equity line of credit. Oh, and then three weeks later, he closed the home equity line that he had before. No, no, no. He closed that home <laughs> equity line on the same day he opened the new one. It just took three weeks to record the satisfaction. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> whenever I'm sure this happens when they're writing articles about drugs, meaning pharmaceuticals or healthcare, everything right. else. When you know, when when it's your field, you go, ah, yeah, <laughs> come on, get it right, guys. Right. Anyway, so when you are taking cash out, though, you say what you're going to use the cash for. But as far as I know, I don't think I could ever construe that. If you said I was going to take it out to do remodeling, and instead you used it to you know, buy something, buy a Inve car. Invest in something. I don't something. think that it's necessarily bank, bank fraud. fraud for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Now, what we are careful of, if because I had a customer do this uh, just recently, they took cash out on the primary residence to purchase a rental property in Madison. So this was the guy who wasn't quite retirement age yet. He's fifty nine, not fifty nine and a half. And so we had to use that special bank portfolio loan program that we have, where we can qualify folks based on theoretical income, 
where we take the pile of assets that they have. Let's say this guy has a, a million dollars in assets, which he did. And then we give it a little safety margin haircut of 40%. So we take the million down to 600,000. And then we divide it by five years or 60 months. And so that gives this person $10,000 a month of theoretical income. Qualifying income. Called asset depletion. So we're saying if you have this pile of money, you could take out $10,000 a month and use this towards making, you know, paying all your bills. And we're going to use that calculated income number. So in this case, because we knew he was using the money, and we put that on our little explanation letter, what are you taking this cash out for? Because it's a couple hundred thousand bucks. The answer is to buy this rental property. And the reason that's important is we need to document the taxes and insurance on that other property because that's going to be part of his monthly obligations right. now. So we want to get the full financial picture. That's where it would be bank fraud. That would be an undisclosed debt. Undisclosed debt. If, you, if, if he hadn't revealed that, you, I would say that would be troublesome. Mm -hmm. But if he instead decided to buy a vacation home instead of a rental property, I don't care. If he decided to buy a Ferrari instead of the rental property, no big deal. All right. 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 When we come back, we've got the April home sale numbers for the five-county Milwaukee metropolitan area. We'll let you know whether they're up or down when we come back. All right, and you're listening to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. Well, our highly digital world, the need for libraries is in question. Now we really do need libraries. What does the future look like? WTMJ's Jane Matnair sits down with the director of Milwaukee Public Library. This all happens. Great conversation coming up at 11 o'clock as part of our WTMJ conversation series. That's 11 o'clock this morning right here on WTMJ. Brian, this hour is moving by fast. Oh, yeah, just lightning speed. Well, now we're going to talk about the home sale numbers for April. These numbers come to us courtesy of the multiple listing service of the greater Milwaukee Association of Realtors, of which I'm a card-carrying member through Acunet Realty Advisors, LLC. So here's the scoop. Low inventory finally has taken its toll. 66 fewer single-family homes changed hands in the five-county metro area in April compared to April of 17. 1,556 happy sellers and buyers exchanged the keys and the money at the closing table. That is 4% fewer than last year. But the total dollar volume of sales was higher due to higher home prices. The median sales price of that single-family home selling in the Milwaukee metro area was $217,000, $7,000 more, or 3.3% higher than a year earlier. The number of listings in April continued the trend of the first three months of this year, by which I mean there were... 244 fewer listings in April compared to April 17. Well, and that in the demand continuing to outpace supply is driving up the, driving up the prices. Yeah. What's that? That's not the Phillips curve. That's the law of supply and demand <laughs> or, or Captain Obvious law, I think we call it. For the first four months of the year, real estate agents listed 865 fewer homes than during the first four months of 17. Nonetheless, April listings did total. 2095, which means there were 459 more homes that came on the market than sold. So there okay. are more homes for sale. Mm -hmm. Wait, I got some numbers here to share with you in just a minute that are, are going to blow you away. But condo sales, on the other hand, 
uh, compared to April of last year. 325 condos changed hands, which was a little bit more. It was six more than mm-hmm. April. Check this out, though. The median price of a condo stayed the same at $162,500, $55,000 less than the median sales price for a single family. Um, number of listings. Ooh, dropped a jaw-dropping 16% in the condo wow. world compared to 2017. Only 418 condo owners decided to put the for sale sign in the yard. So that's an increase on a net basis of only 93 more condos coming on the market. Uh, in terms of how people paid for their purchases, you'd think that with rising rates, adjustable rate mortgages or arms would be gaining? You would. Uh-uh. 2.7% of single-family home buyers used an arm. Cash was 15%. Now, I want to point out that just because you write a cash offer doesn't mean you can't get a mortgage. So for us mortgage guys, maybe all those people didn't actually close with cash. That's correct. Or even if you do, I mean, maybe something we can talk about later in the show if we have time, delayed financing. Delayed financing. Yes, I've got a person that's interested in doing that. Six out of 10 buyers used the good old conventional Fannie Mae 30-year fixed. Another 15% used government-guaranteed 30-year fixed rates. So 75% of home buyers wow. bought using a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Okay. <laughs> Number that used a 15-year fixed? <laughs> Under 1%. A fraction of 1%. A fraction of 1%. Why? Because <laughs> it's, a, it's a higher payment. That's why. Uh, over on the condo side, 31% of condo buyers paid cash. A th- darn near th- one out of three. Our theory for a long time has been that's because they're selling their bigger house, their four-bedroom house in the Burbs, got a lot, right. of edit, a lot of equity built up. These are empty nesters, you know, baby boomers, so that's why they're paying cash. 55% used a 30-year fixed rate. And again, arms way low, under uh, under 3.5%. Yeah. When we come back after the news, we're going to do a little rate roundup, but I also want to give you the fastest-selling municipalities in the five-county area for April and tell you just how tight the inventory is in a couple of those fast-selling markets after the news. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And it's a pleasure being joined in the studio this week by owner-president Brian Wickert and senior vice president Jerry Sirkatich. Doing a lot of stuff this morning. We're going now into uh, the rate roundup segment. Rate roundup. Over to you, Jerry. All right. Yeah, let's start with this, and then I'm looking forward to hearing these oh, numbers yeah. that you've got coming. Mm-hmm. So so here, where we ended up the week last week, and we always like to, to uh, let everybody know what Freddie Mac's weekly survey well, rate yeah. was. The primary mortgage market survey, the PMMS. Which is released on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, Thursday yes. based on rates they collect on Tuesday. Correct, correct. Fresh. So that that uh, Freddie's uh, surveyed rate was four point five five percent, just a, uh-huh. a hair down from where it was the week prior, four point five eight percent. How many points, Jerry? That requires point five, a half a point. Oh, which so on a two hundred thousand dollar loan is that's an extra one thousand dollars on top of your traditional closing costs to cover things like appraisal and title title whatever which is other eleven hundred dollars whatever other junk fees the other lenders are charging well, which we know often add up to like another thousand bucks that's true underwriting at, at, at Acunet, admin blah blah at acunet those total eleven hundred dollars no junk fees no junk fees just ne- real fees by the way never had any junk fees in our entire history no junk right. fees, no baloney either. That's right. And um, and so you know half a point it takes to get to four point five five percent of the Freddie's uh, weekly survey rate. That's a half a point. Now the rate I've got prepared here that where we ended the week on a thirty year fixed four point six two five. 
Acunet could deliver that not, not only with no points, no prepayment penalties, of course, but total loan costs of under $900. Whoa, total, whoa, whoa. Total. total. That includes the appraisal, Jerry? Indeed. Ah, i got to see who's setting the pricing. That seems too low, doesn't it? No, no, no. <laughs> it, that's what we're offering. That's right. i got to yeah, talk to so that guy. So still, still a, a really good offering on a 30-year fixed rate, and, and that's still very popular because... When you look at the arm, you, you mentioned oh, yeah. about how, how few arms uh, people are choosing. The reason being, seven-year arm at the end of last week, 4.375%. Only, what? Only a quarter point lower? A quarter point. Hard. All right. Not very compelling. No. Uh, what about a five-year arm? Did you do that? I did. Now, that, that you do get a half a percentage point uh, reduction. No. That we could have locked in a 4.125% in the same $200,000 okay. uh, loan amount. You know what? I don't think people will go for an arm unless it starts with a, the emotionally satisfying three-handle, three-point something. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that's keeping a lid on it. So maybe if 30-year fixed rates get above five, and then we can do an arm in the fours. That might compel some people. Or but as it's that, hard when they start with this. Or as that gap widens, you yeah. know, we may see five-eighths or three-quarters of a point yeah. between the 30-year and the uh, five-year. So that's called a flat yield curve. And it's because meaning shorter-term fixed rates like five-year arms and seven-year are so close to the really long 30. I mean, think about the difference in that. That's a huge difference. And, 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 the, and the reason is that short-term borrowing costs being jacked up by the Federal Reserve that's why the arms are mm-hmm. going higher, because they're tied to one-year indexes. So that, again, is on the short end of the curve. Right, right. And I think that that will likely change. Uh, you know, the curve will widen, I think. Don't you, you think? Well, the fix is going to have to go up. I'm, right. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But well, hope isn't a strategy, I heard. <laughs> right. All right, what else you got? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, 15-year fixed, the same as a five-year arm, 4.125. So it's a half a point savings on that. But as you pointed out uh, in the last segment, Brian, not too many people choosing that 15-year fix either. Because while that, while that rate is, is so much lower, or no, half a point, the payment is 35% quite, higher. Exactly. And so yeah, a lot of folks are still choosing or opting for that 30-year fix, knowing that they have the flexibility to always pay it down faster and that's with how much uh, percent equity and did you say the aprs on those oh well let's get back this is with a uh, this is a two hundred thousand uh, dollar loan amount yeah uh it's 25 percent equity and all the other right uh, stuff all right all the other so what's that's our, right just run through our aprs let's, so we're let, legal correct yeah let's uh, 30 year fixed? fixed apr 4.645 all right what about that seven year arm that was 4.717 five year arm 4.697 and the 15 year fixed Four point one five nine. All right, and by the way, I was I was doing comparison shopping earlier this week and looking at the nation's largest lender. You know, the one whose name rhymes with Schmicken, and they are now showing rates on their web page like three point nine nine on a fifteen year fixed, and their their standard rate quote is to pay two points, two points. So on a two hundred thousand dollar loan, they're saying, you know, the rates we're showing you are just with four thousand dollars of points. In addition to their higher loan costs. So and that's where the APR can be useful. That's right. Because but you'll see a wider gap between what they're right, than ours. artificially low you know, note rate, whereas right. here, 4.625, our note rate that yep. you're locking into, the APR 4.645. So yep. It's right on top Very of Very small. So beware of that when you are shopping. Don't just settle for half the equation. What's your rate? What's your rate? What's your rate? And what are your total Closing costs, loan costs, you know, what are you having to pay to get that? All right. When we come back, we're going to look at the fastest selling municipalities in southeastern Wisconsin.
All right. And you, of course, are listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. The world's largest music festival is right around the corner, and WTMJ is your one-stop shop for Summerfest information. To get a full musical lineup of the big gig, text the word SUMMERFEST to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620. Brian, really enjoying the helpful stuff uh, coming our way from you and Jerry this morning. Thank you. You're welcome. So the... Uh... The inventory is still tight in southeastern Wisconsin, really everywhere that I know of. And unless you get into the upper price ranges, you know, not, you right. know let's say in, in southeastern Wisconsin, I think if you're above 600000 you start to see a much more normal, if not buyer's market okay. in that price range. Um, but again, all right, so here are the top 10 fastest selling municipalities for the month of April. We're looking at single-family detached homes. And uh, tied for 10th place, Greendale, where you live, Jerry. All right. Port Washington and Waukesha are tied with a average continuous days on market. So that's from the day the house goes on the MLS to the day they get an accepted offer, 51 days. So 1.7 months. Then Oconomowoc in ninth place. Greenfield uh, and Cudahy are tied for 7th place. Glendale is uh, in seventh place at 46 days, so a little about a month and a half. South Milwaukee in sixth place, tied for fifth place. You got Whitefish Bay, Wauwatosa, and Germantown all clocking in with 42 days, uh, average days on market. So not every home is selling in one minute or right. one day. You know, a lot are, but not all of them. Oh, by the way, Burlington is in that group, too. Number four, New Berlin at 40 sales during the month of April and only 38 days average on market. Merton, where I live, 37 days. Lisbon, right next door to Merton, 36 days. And this month's winner, Caledonia. Wow. Caledonia with 28 home sales, average continuous days on market, 22. And believe it or not, I hear, I have some people that I've talked to, you know, I don't talk to a lot of people every week, but because they're selling and they want to move out before the Foxconn, uh, all all that comes to that area. They're looking to get out of Dodge. Yeah. Instead of staying. Yep. Talking to some, I did talk to somebody about that. Yeah. Interesting. You probably have some of both. Some who think by staying, maybe their values will Increase, increase. Yeah, you would think so. Others who don't want any part of the chaos. That's 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 what I think is <laughs> happening right now. But now check this out. So I just zoomed in on New Berlin. We had talked about how tight it is in Wauwatosa last week. So I thought, well, let's look at New Berlin. They're the kind of the second largest volume of home sales there in that top five list. Forty sales. Okay, so think of that. Forty sales. Well, if you go on and do a search in MLS, there are ninety-one active listings. You would think, oh, my gosh, we have more than a two-month supply. No, you don't. There are only 33 listings in New Berlin that don't have offers. The other 58 already have offers. And if you've ever done home shopping, how much time do you want to spend looking at homes that already have offers on them? Zero. Zero. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, I mean, unless you're just desperate and you really like that house and you want to offer, make a backup offer. The percentage of something falling through is really quite minimal, isn't it? It is, although, you know, we're going to talk about this next. If an appraisal comes in low, 
you know, that can cause a buyer to back out or if an inspection goes bad. Those are the two leading reasons. Now, well, and then, Brian, I don't. is there any way f- to know whether or not if a home is pending, yeah. uh, whether or not one of the contingencies that remains is sale of home? Because I now, now uh, if, you have a, if someone has a sale of home contingency, you that may could, think that you have a better shot as right. a secondary right, right, offer. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you know what, that's standpoint. a good question. Let me look and see if I can tell that by looking at a particular listing that has that C on it for... Right, because the inspection contingency appraisal, not as likely. I mean, it happens. Correct. But, but not as likely to... to to see well, that offer go sideways. However, if it is subject to sale of home. All right, right so, so right. to say that again, maybe the primary offer that's been accepted is an offer that's contingent upon that buyer's house selling. Well, they're vulnerable then. If somebody comes in and says, I'll buy your house without a sale of home contingency, which is what a bridge loan is for, right, they could bump them uh, out of the way. So um, let me look in, uh, during okay. this break here. We'll look at that, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about that. And what happens if your appraisal comes in low? Right. After Ah, this break. All right. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Expert advice on buying a home. All right. The next question. Here's more of the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And the next Milwaukee Bucks head coach might be considered as one of the more important hires in team history. What's your confidence level in the team making the right decision? Justin Garcia shares his thoughts on that topic. Wants to hear from you as well. Monday night on Sports Central, 607 right here on WTMJ. Brian, we're talking about contingencies. Yes, yes. And so during the break, I, I did look at a couple of listings on the MLS, and I can't tell uh, what the contingency is. And so as Jerry pointed out, if if it's a, for, a, a sale of home contingency, well, then I think the real estate agent would have to call. Your buyer's agent right. would have to call a listing agent. Yeah, I think that they would be able to then reveal yeah. what contingencies remain. Right, but I, I don't see anything on, uh, on that I can discern from you know looking at the realtor's version of the MLS that says, "Hey, this is a uh, we're looking for a bump." So, as a home buyer, though, then if you do find a uh, a listing that is pending, yeah, and you really like it, it's in your right in the your right sell, spot, yeah, yeah. the right price, you may have your agent. You know, contact the other the listing agent. Yep. And find out what whether or not there is a sale of home. Right? Is there a chance to bump them out of the way, which you could do with a either higher price, which you don't know. You don't know what the accepted offer price is. Right. But a more contingency free. So one of the common uh, contingencies, and this is we find unique. We lend in in uh, four states: Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, and Florida. Wisconsin is the only state that specifically has in its standard offer to purchase form. An appraisal contingency, and it's pretty simple. It says if the house appraises for one penny less than the accepted offer price, the buyer has the right to kill the deal. All they got to do is give the appraisal to the seller along with a notice terminating the contract, and it's over with. All right. So what really happens though? That doesn't happen that often. And in this high, um, highly competitive market where prices are going up. Um, you know, what is the most common thing, Jerry, in your experience that happens when, you know, the... Well, right, because you have competing offers, it seems like in almost every case. Yeah. And it's driving up uh, these these uh, offer prices Many, above list Above, above list. the listing price, right. Yeah. Hey, I list for 300 and now, you know, I get an accepted offer at 320 So what happens if so the, the appraisal then comes in short? Right. The reality is, rarely do we see this, the buyer 
just give notice to the seller and walk away. It becomes a negotiation. You can get back to the drawing board. Now, the, the buyer does have in their hip pocket the ability to do just that. On, but they have to do it on time. Well, they have to do it within the contingency period. That's right. Uh, so that's critical. Uh, but they do have that leverage while they're within that, that contingency period. The thing that we, and we get this question a lot from home buyers, you know, what, what does happen? What if the appraisal comes in $5,000 light? Well, you, you have a 200000 let's use an example of a $200,000 okay. purchase price. Yeah. And uh, the buyer is going to invest 5% down, $10,000, yep. so a loan amount of one ninety. Now the and, and the accepted offer price is 200 Now the appraisal comes in at one ninety five. Yeah. Okay. So now, as from a lending perspective, we're required from under, underwriting guidelines require we use either the purchase price or the appraised value, whichever is less. So now we have to use one hundred ninety five thousand. So now your one hundred ninety thousand dollar loan amount is going to put you at. I don't have that calculated right here now, but it's it's much less than five percent down. Three point uh, no two point six two point six. That well, but. Well, I mean, I know what I'm thinking I would do, first of all. If they really, really wanted the house and the seller was not going to lower the price, maybe we could give them a 3% down loan. Well, we could. It, we could. If they if they were eligible right. for that, uh, that would be one option. You have some some who say, well, you know what, I, I'm willing to, if they're not eligible for the 3% down, yeah. and still want to you know, say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to still go forward. I think the house is worth it. To we, me. It's we, worth we, it to yeah, me. Exactly. I don't care what the appraiser exactly. says. Exactly. We love it. It's the right house for us. Well, now we have to calculate a 5% down payment based on the $195,000 yeah. appraised value. So that means now 95% of the... They've got to come up that, with more money. Yeah, they can chip in more money. You're coming up with now, instead of a $10,000 down payment, that equates to $9,750, the 5% of uh, 195 okay. However, you have to make up the shortfall between the $195,000 appraised value so and the... So it's really fourteen. Correct. Okay, so now so you're, you're coming up with $14,750. Well, and what's a common... If you don't have the money, uh, you know, people sometimes take it out of their 401k or out of a retirement account if they have it, or... My favorite place to go for money is mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, uncle, aunt, right, sister, or, brother. And, and and we do see well, in many cases the the buyer and seller may meet in the middle. Yeah, you know, so the the seller agrees to lower the price by twenty five hundred dollars. Well, now instead of the fourteen seven fifty, or you need yes, you know, somewhere you need yeah. twelve and 30. it it it, it uh, reduces the pain. So right. that all comes down to you know how many other offers are there stacked up behind this one? Because a lot of sellers take a what shall we call it strong or arrogant point of view that hey no problem we'll just go to the next offer. Now one thing I've often thought one problem just one problem what? with that though is. It, they're assuming that the next appraisal is going to come in high enough. Correct. Which is a big Which assumption. is also maybe, what's the word? Risky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uninformed. Because you've got to realize that, you know, the appraisers can't just pull numbers out of their left ear. They have to justify them based on recent sales. And if you're, if you're stuck with historical data, looking backwards, it's hard mm -hmm. to get the numbers to go up. I'm mm -hmm. surprised that we don't have more low appraisals right. in this kind of a market. Um, appraisers are somehow able to justify it, and it often comes because people are willing to pay more. I've done it. I don't know if you've ever done it, Jerry or Mark, but I have paid more for real estate that Becky and I have purchased than what the appraisal reflects because it's worth it to us. 
I like that house. I, uh, and it I'll, is not all that uncommon. And and then for for one who might be investing, it was a second or third time purchase. They may be investing thirty uh, percent down. Yeah. Well, that five thousand dollars shortfall in appraised value doesn't is, impact their finances. It's inconsequential, right? They don't have to change the loan amount, and we're able to deliver the same terms. Correct. I just had that happen recently on a Florida purchase where it didn't matter. Well, hey, we're out of time. Let's do it again next week. Rock and remember, it's been a great show. You can get started with a rock solid guaranteed pre approval to buy because we are issuing those by the dozens lately <laughs> and yes. helping people win offers. We even had somebody win over a cash offer. You can get started with that or a no hassle refi checkup by what? Clicking on the blue button at acunet.com. All right, now you can Brian take a Jerry, <laughs> It's been a pleasure. WTMJ News Time is 1059. The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.